Building, Randy Farback. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? It's great, gentlemen. It's great to see you. It's been a while. I it know. has been. Yep. <laughs> you know, I was um, trying to remember like how long ago we met each other. And I think the year was 2016, which six years ago seems like a lot, but also seems like very little at the same time. Yeah. Um, I think it was at the Estavir uh, retreat from St. John Mark. In, in Prescott. In Prescott. In Prescott. Where I live now. In Prescott. Okay. <laughs> Is that when it, when it started, Randy? Were you like, I can see myself here? Yeah, I told my wife they have mountains. It's cool. There's pine forests. <laughs> See, that's the thing that a lot of people don't know about Arizona is that it's not just desert. Like you drive two hours north of Phoenix mm -hmm. and the scenery starts changing to this pine trees in mountains. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And grassland, there's, there's grassland just a mile from our house where there's like pronghorn, which people mostly think of as antelope. So we see them and deer and, and all kinds of stuff. So it's fun. It's beautiful. I love it up there. We go up there pretty regularly to just escape the heat. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's amazing that you can get to like a body of water, you know, so close to the desert. And we just we just like to escape uh, Prescott or um, what's the other one we go to a lot? Payson. Payson, yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Payson is also beautiful, yeah. but mm -hmm. but yeah. Um, so we met you at the uh, at the retreat, and um, and I remember very vividly how you were telling your your story about um, your conversion and 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 all that stuff. But I, I'm not gonna tell it because I would I don't want to butcher it. So can 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 you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how uh, you came to the church and uh, and maybe an introduction about what we're going to talk in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, uh, I think I'd always been a spiritual explorer. And um, uh, before I got sober in 1998 and then met my wife, um, a little bit later, I kind of explored a lot of crazy things, you know. And so, um, and so God, in his wisdom, uh, I was 18 months sober and... Uh, and I met my wife, who was a beach volleyball player. My my sister was a beach volleyball player, so she was. She thought, you know, that was a good community that I could meet someone in. And so I met my future wife, and and you know, little. I mean, just through circumstances, we kept running into each other, and finally asked her out to. I was singing in the Messiah Santa Barbara Choral Society, and I asked her to come listen to me, and and so she did, and that was our that was one of our first dates and so but the interesting thing is i was 18 months sober and she was six months out of the convent so <laughs> so we became the drunk and the nun right <laughs> i had bad credit she had no credit <laughs> and neither of us knew how to live life uh for opposite reasons oh wow and and so early on because i was open uh just to spirituality and god and um, I started going to church with her and, uh, you know, it, at some point when it was getting serious, I surrendered <laughs> mm. and, you know, started really attending and, and ended up getting into RCIA and then we got married and went through and, and, and became Catholic and it was, it was very special. Um, when were and, you received into the church? I think it was 2002. Okay. And, in Goleta at uh, St. Raphael's in Goleta, California. Nice. nice. And how did you end up in, in Arizona? We, um, well, we both, I, we, we, when we got married, we were about 40 years old and neither of us had any savings, any money, <laughs> again, for opposite reasons. So, you know, we diligently started trying to put together retirement. We realized living in the Santa Barbara area that we weren't going to be able to save for retirement. So we were we were scouting scouting it out, and uh, my my company at the time had an office in Tempe, Arizona, mm -hmm. and um, and uh, so I went on a trip there, and I came back. I said, you know, we could live there, and then they have a Catholic school downtown, St. Mary's, 
And mm-hmm. and then she looked it up and she had met the Dominican Sisters of Ann Arbor while she was getting her <laughs> master's degree in Steubenville. Got it. And okay. she fell in love with them because they're just a real strong order growing, you know, wearing the habit, mm-hmm. which her order had kind of really <laughs> not been following the practices and it was really attractive to her. And so, you know, we thought about it for about six months and, uh, and we had adopted a daughter out of the foster system, Janet, when she was 10. And as soon as the adoption went through, then we could leave the state. And three months oh, wow. later, we, we moved to Scottsdale. So quite a journey, you know, God has a plan and that's beautiful. We just keep showing up and seeing, seeing what he's got for us. That's amazing. This, I think this is one of the things that I um, really admire about you, um, how much um, surrender and holy detachment you have in, in the time that, um, you know, that we've had fellowship together and we did Exodus 90 together. I don't know. One year, two years. I did, I think, two years. Two yeah. years. Um, that um, it, it was just such a beautiful witness to hear from you, like, how you live your life, and, you know. But um, if it, today, like, what we wanted to ask you is kind of, like, guide us through, like, the 12 steps, because from what I was able to to find, um, AA kind of started like in a meeting of two people in 1935 in Akron, Ohio. Right. Um, I think it was Bill Wilson. He was a stockbroker and Dr. Bob Smith who was a surgeon. Um, and both of them were alcoholics. And uh, one of them was part, uh, they were both members of like the Oxford group, which if I remember correctly, was um, an, a Lutheran ministry um that helped people with uh, to recover from alcoholism. Um, the part that, that I found interesting about how it was born, because it was, it's, I thought that it was Catholic, but it's actually Christian. Um, but it, uh, they talk about how it is, uh, alcoholism is, is, is a malady of mind, emotions, and body. And, and the 12 steps came from like a, a mixture of like the Oxford group and whatever experience Bill Wilson had. But if right. you can expand on that or when, what was your experience that you were like, I really need to do something with my life in order to just be yeah, functional. Sure. So um, from a very early age, um, junior high, high school, um, once I started drinking and using drugs, there was no middle ground. It was, I was just off and running, and I was always drinking for effect. And for a while, you can hold it together. And uh, had, you know, came from a very nice family, but we didn't deal with emotions or spirituality. So I was involved in a Protestant church, and actually got involved because I had this spiritual seeking, this thirst, but I didn't know how to solve it. A lot of times, I think I solved it with drugs and alcohol. You know, mm-hmm. so they call it spirits. You know, because you have this false sense of of connection, um, and uh, and so my whole family turned out to be alcoholics, and I was the last one to get sober. And my mother kind of died of an illness, but kind of alcohol related. So when I finally got sober, and it took me a while, I went in and out. Um, uh, then I really just dove headfirst, you know. And the twelve steps are are the Oxford group, they had six steps, which was Protestant. Um, but, you know, it's similar to uh, St. Ignatius spiritual exercises. Okay. You know, the, the, the process of, of uncovering and discarding all our humanness, our sins and our defects and our resentments and fears is universal. Okay. You know, and so, uh, so when Dr. Bob and Bill met, they found that the, the key thing was it was one alcoholic helping another. Mm. So you stay sober by helping other people, and they they started they started help helping each other. Then they they started going to uh, uh, sanitariums, really mental hospitals, hospitals that that treated alcoholism. And back then, in the late 30s, and this is depression, so mm. the country was hitting a bottom, <laughs> and then oh. here they are hitting a spiritual bottom with the disease uh, that that ties in with alcohol or drugs. Um, they, uh, 
they would go to these hospitals and say, hey, we want to talk to people. This is going to keep us sober. And so the doctors would let them because if you were an alcoholic, you were just sentenced to death. You would eventually go crazy and you'd get, you know, uh, you know, your mind would go or you'd just die of whatever different diseases, liver disease and things like that. So they started going in and having success. And there, there are some Catholic roots in, in AA, early AA. So in the Dr. Bob, the hospital he worked with, there was, there was a nun, Sister Ignatia, and it was okay. St. Thomas Hospital. And so she, she caught on and was starting to help them. And they had an alcohol wing where they would bring people. And she would, became in charge of that. And so she was very instrumental in that and would pray with them and, and, and do that sort of thing. And so they started to have success. Um, and then they, they took the steps. They had the six. And Bill, he, he tells the story that he actually just had an inspiration, probably divine inspiration one night, that he took the six steps on a napkin and made it into 12. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And um, and uh, and so then they socialized that among the groups and they kind of refined it. Um, and uh, and, you know, it was an interesting process. So one of the guys, I forget his name, but he was the atheist in New York. And okay. so it was very Christian approach. And he he kind of argued against that. Um, and so they, they changed the language because a lot of people that are sober, and I know people are here, they were harmed by people in the name of God. Mm. You know, they were using Christianity or whatever religion and, and telling them things that weren't true, but they hurt them as children. And so they're really harmed that way. So, the, you know, the first step is we admitted we're powerless over alcohol, that our life had become unmanageable. You know, you have to you know, that you just have to stop drinking. But the root of that is that my thoughts and my emotions are unmanageable, mm. you know, and even what we call normies, you normies. know, so you guys might be normies. <laughs> <laughs> we still have similar things, you know, and, yeah. um, but then the second step is where the atheist impacted is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So, mm -hmm. I think that was one of the miracles of the program that it got people in the door and let them decide what that higher power was. And then once they're sober and they're working in the spiritual program, God, God finds them, you know, he gives them what they need. And, uh, and that was, that was the same true for me. And uh, yeah, it, it, it sounds, it sounds like you, I was telling my wife today, actually, it's like, you cannot, change someone that doesn't want to change there, there has to be this desire in a person to to change like i have to admit that there is a problem like right you know my clothes don't fit which is like the problem that i'm facing right now like i need to do something about it i need to either eat less and exercise more and and make better choices with food but i need to face that and and this is my reality, except that um, I'm assuming that you can apply that to almost anything, but specifically with something that um, it is affecting your life in that way, like substance abuse. Um, yeah, we have a phrase in one of the literature that says pain is the touchstone of all growth. Mm -hmm. You know, and if even if you look at Catholic saints, you know, like St. Francis or St. Augustine, they were party people. You know, yeah. and then something, you know, they hit some sort of a bottom or some sort of conversion point where it's bad enough and you wake up and you're able to see things in a different light and have a willingness to do different action. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Never thought about it like that. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the third step is to uh, make a decision to turn our will in our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Um, so this is like, there's a lot of surrender from what I've seen in, in the 12 steps. Yeah. Um, and and then, it, well, it's for, for everybody too. So, you know, when I'm out there drinking, I'm kind of self will run riot. You know, I'm the director mm -hmm. in charge of my life and the world, and I'm trying to rearrange everything just the way I want it. And then once you adopt this new attitude, I start to look and think, oh, I'm not in charge. I can have goals and try to do things, but I need to pray and align 
you know, with God and and get some direction, you know, and find out really what, what he wants for me to do. Yeah. I think uh, coming back to the second one real quick, when it says uh, power greater than ourselves, the, the there's a void, right? In terms of something feel, fills that void, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, whether it's too much fun of any kind, right? Work. The, 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 the pleasure. Work. Yeah, the yeah. pleasure. Sometimes work becomes a, a, a meaningful distraction for people that are missing something. Right. But there's that letting go and acknowledging that that you are not the center, right? So it's it's the power greater than ourselves. The important part, because that's, I believe, the, the, the void that you're trying to fill is pretty much the void that God needs to fill yeah. uh, if you are a Christian, a Catholic. But even if you're not, you know, an atheist is going to, that's an alcoholic, still there's a gap. There's a gap that he's trying or they're trying to fill with with whatever pleasure, whether it be for numbing or whether it be just to uh, pass it by. Um, but it's, and it kind of goes well into the third, right, that it just says is, the will uh, to, to let God take care of our lives, you know? So that's super interesting. And it can be long-term, but really it could be moment by moment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I have these thinking and feeling habits, you know, I'm hardwired. I, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, when we were in the studying for to be foster parents, you know, the trauma pre-birth and year one and two, even if you're with good parents, if there, if there's, you know, upset or, or anger in the household or something going on in your mother, even when you're a womb, you, you put up these defenses or you create these tools for a living, you know, that help protect us from that. And then when we get later in step six and seven, we find out that those are defects or yeah. shortcomings or sins as we call them in the Catholic yeah. church. Mm-hmm. But, but you're, you're right. I mean, that's a survival instinct more than anything. When you're young, you don't know what, how to address it. You know, right. But if you take those insecurities and those issues later in life, then that's where, as you become more aware, then you're like, oh, I can use this. Oh, I can use that. You know, you start picking up crutches along the way that don't right. necessarily help you uh, better your situation. But in in turn, it just makes it even worse. Yeah, I think it's both horrible and amazing to know yourself. <laughs> Yeah, totally is. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, and, oh and, my god, this is why I am this way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and we say we like to say that the whole world needs a twelve-step program. You know, especially right now with all the craziness. Oh, you know, absolutely. Just the lack of God in society is amazing. Totally. You know, mm-hmm. and um, so, uh, and you know, and the drugs and alcohol today with fentanyl and things that are coming across the border. You know, yeah. people are, it's an epidemic of people dying from drug overdose yes. and alcoholism. Mm-hmm. It's really affecting, you know, someone, I was in an AA meeting this morning and she lost three friends in the last week wow. to drug overdose. So this is serious. This is life and death stuff, you know, that if daily, we don't, kidding, right? On a yeah, daily basis. On a daily basis. So, you know, we have to get that. And then that's our motivation to do the work on ourselves because it's uncomfortable, it's scary facing our fears, but we get that courage because we've got God with us, a higher power that we can learn to carry with that and walk through this, this tough process. What's, let me ask you a question, Randy, uh, maybe a little off topic, but what's your thought on harm reduction programs? Because I've heard that it's, it's, do you know about those? Mm-mm, mm-mm. So harm reduction programs are when Literally, the government provides safe and accessible ways for people to use, but with a with a mindset of keeping them alive until they get clean. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I think it's just enabling them. You know, it's pacifying, yeah. it's quieting them. It's not a solution. Correct. Um, you know. Yeah, I just I wanted to get your perspective because I mean, I've had mixed reviews. And I, I worked recently on something related to that as, as advertising goes. And I was yeah. just like, well, this kind of doesn't make sense. No, you know, it, it's like it, giving a kid a bunch of cookies and saying, you're going to get really fit eventually, you know? Yeah. 
It's like I went to a conference in June in in San Francisco, and there's people laying on the streets with needles in their arms, you know, and smoking, and, you know, they're homeless. And and Mm -hmm. there's a center right over there that's giving them that stuff. Jeez. So, you know, for me, I mean, I've had friends die, had one recently die. You know, this is a deadly disease. If you don't do this, it'll get you in a lot of silly ways. You know, it may not say alcoholism or drug addiction, but mm-hmm. this guy he was drunk. He was in a rehab. He got mad at them. He left, went into a hotel, got drunk, and fell and hit his head in the shower. Eesh. So, you know, it can catch you. So, so the heart, the heart step, the first heart step. So one, two, and three. I mean, we always want to work that, and I'll come back to that with meditation. But the the fourth step made a moral inventory of ourselves. Um, is is making a list of all the resentments that we have, mm. and taking a look, and and we we it's like five columns. We write the resentment, and then we write you know what the the person or the thing could be an institution, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I usually say, okay, what about the church, you know, because they there may be, you know, or God, you know. I had a resentment against God when I started getting sober, so you have to look at that. And then, so you have this list, and some can be pretty long, and what they did to you, and then how that affected you. So now you're having to self-reflect, okay, uh, how how that affected you. And there, you have five choices, and it's pretty simple: fear, security, esteem, and some things like that. And then the fifth column is what's your part in it? Because I don't have a resentment against someone. I probably if I do, I probably harmed them in the same way. I probably interacted with them. So rather, you know, that, that old adage, if you're pointing a finger at somebody, there's three pointing back at you. So it <laughs> kind of boom around, boomerangs it back and lets you, let you really think about that. And it's just like an inventory. It's just like, hey, write it down. You don't have to relive it. You know, it's just like being yeah. in a store, taking inventory. And uh, and it's a it's it's wonderful to help people do that. So after you're sober for a little while, then you get to help other people. You sponsor them or mentor them mm-hmm. through the process, and and it's a real gift is, is to see that you know come about. And uh, and then the fifth step is sharing that with somebody. So some of these things, people, you know, it's like confession really, but it, but they've kept mm-hmm. these secrets, you know, and and a secret. It, is like a cancer on my soul. You know, I yeah. went in and out for five years and lied about my drinking. I would pretend to be sober and it just ate me up, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we have to give, you know, open that up. And my wife, um, Lucy, she once likened it to, if I have a, a wound or a cut, I have to take the bandage off and let air get to it. So I have to expose it and share it. So let that sunlight of the spirit, let God heal it and get it out in the open. Because if I just keep it closed up, it's just going to fester and comes out in all kinds of weird ways. Yeah. We can't hear you, Walter, for some reason. I hit the mute button on my physical microphone. (laughs) <laughs> I'm you sure it was that? very profound what you were saying. Yeah, I, I was just doing all sorts of like mm, and yeah, and you know, <laughs> I, I remember with you. Um, when I when I was listening to you talk about the fourth and fifth step, um, when you said about Ignatian spirituality, that made me think of um, the the general <coughs> confession that that some people go through uh, when they're doing their uh, directed uh, spiritual exercises. Um, so I can see, I, I pick up what you're, what you're putting down. Um, okay. So the fourth step is the, the difficult one. And I love that moral inventory, by the way, I feel like, like you said, everybody should do it because mm-hmm. it could probably start the healing of the person, um, way faster. Like something like that. I, um, I feel like in spiritual direction, my spiritual director has um, challenged me to like look at what causes me to act in a, act in a certain way, um, and and bring it to God and bring it out in the open. And you said something that um, that I thought it was interesting that you don't have to relive it. And it might just be my personality, but I feel like I relive the hurt from whatever 
I'm bringing up in prayer. So I guess it's just more for like me, but like, how do you not relive something when you're going through your, through a model inventory? Well, it, 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 it's a spiritual concept called detachment. So you have to learn to detach from that. And resentments are those, you know, resentment, we like to say is like taking poison and hoping the other person dies. Yeah. You know, the other person may not know about this feeling that I have, but I'm carrying it around with me for 20 years. Oh, boy. You know, and so why why don't I just, I can give it to God and let it go, get it out into the sunlight of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And give it to God and, and let it be healed. So it, mm. it, part of it, when you know, and and is with meditation um, that we we practice this detachment okay. from from our thoughts. And um, when we get to the eleven step, maybe I'll go into more about that. Sure. Which is okay. the meditation step. Well, let's move into the sixth uh, step. We're we're entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character so we have to admit that we have defects <laughs> that we have sin um that takes humility and you know this that, that is um an obstacle to some people <laughs> myself included for sure um and then seven humbly ask god to remove our shortcomings man this is so good. Uh, to, let's move, should we keep going or do you want to make a comment in any of um, those Just real quick about that. So for me, I mean, if you ask a priest, that's what people are confessing mostly, you know, is, is six and seven. And I think we generally have three or four that are recurring. Yeah. You know, like, and, um, and Bill Wilson, when he was doing the steps, you know, one, the first one, six says defects. They, they took away sin because people kind of have a resentment against the word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so then he made the next one shortcomings and it read it in a book. He just didn't want to use the same term twice. Mm. So in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the text which they wrote, it's really only covered in two paragraphs. Okay, now that we did that, we're moving on. But they wrote, the big book <laughs> three years after they started. So they hadn't really dug in. So for mm. me, after 24 years of sobriety, it the work mostly is about step six and seven. How do I lessen my defects? You know, the, the power over them. And it, the, it's really things I'm, I'm worshiping. So like food, you know, you mentioned it. And, and uh, my phone, you know. <laughs> Where yeah. am I putting my energy and my thoughts and, and when I'm not with God and that's causing problems in my life? It's like idle hunting, step six and seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and some of our defects and our sins, I kind of like them. I mean, they're my friends until <laughs> I realized that they were bad. And some of them I'm, I'm kind of holding on to. You know, the, I've heard a phrase, I didn't never let go of anything. It doesn't have claw marks. when 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 the shortcomings are removed too i mean you're you're opening up room for virtue to grow absolutely you know so i think it's important to clean the closet before you put like a couple of new shirts in there right because i think you're 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 moving through these steps it's it's a it's a cleansing of sorts am i correct in yeah saying that so it's it's that's what it sounds like, you know, in terms of removing, asking God to humbly remove the shortcomings. Something else is going to replace it, something better. Yeah, and, well, and hopefully you replace it with something better, right? Yeah, a lot of times that's when the, I work the, with people, mm -hmm. these are my defects, but what's the opposite? What's the virtue? Mm -hmm. What's the positive quality? And then yeah. by because God is so intertwined in these, that's where the grace comes in. Sometimes God, I can't do it. I need that help. I need that gift that I don't deserve of grace to be released of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I hit that bottom on a defect, even in sobriety, I, I've had bottoms, emotional bottoms. You know, when you hit that spot and you finally let go and then grace can come in, God can come in and help heal me from that. 
Beautiful. I think that's a very important distinction that it's not us that need to do all the work, but sometimes we just need to get out of the way <laughs> and let oh, God. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Step eight sounds very difficult. Make a list of all persons that we harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Yeah, it, it is. And um, what I've found is that most of the people that I've harmed are on my resentment list. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, huh. we usually start there. Because I, if I'm angry at them, they, they didn't do something that I thought they should do. And so I probably had an interaction or I did something that harmed them. And, um, and it, you know, it's making the list and, and asking God to help with that because the ninth step is where you actually go out and you make those amends. Hmm. You talk to the people and you don't say, I'm sorry, because, I don't know, as an alcoholic, I said, I'm sorry a lot of times, you know, and that's not making amends. Amends is repairing, repairing okay. the relationship, repairing what I, the, my behavior that caused that harm. Mm -hmm. Okay, that yeah. was going to be like one of my questions. Like, sorry, go ahead, Gustavo. Yeah, I mean, you saying you're sorry, it it literally makes the person saying they're sorry feel better. You know, but actually yeah. making amends is taking the other person into consideration and working towards rebuilding what was broken. Right. Yeah, and I, I coach my, I have a young man that's doing his amends step now, his ninth step, and we kind of script it because you're nervous, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, it's I, I apologize for my behavior in this, and this is what I did, and, and I am sorry that I hurt you, and, you know, and, and you just leave it at that, and then the forgiveness part, they may forgive you or not, but the, the amends is doing right action after that, not doing that again. So even if, if you you offer an apology to someone that you hurt, you run the risk of them saying, like, I don't accept your apology. Yeah. Right. But that, that that doesn't mean that you didn't do your part. Like if that other person chooses to not forgive, would you say that, well, you know, that making amends, you already tried, you're not doing the behavior again. And sometimes, you know, some people like they just drift away from your life or they come in and out of your life. And um, yeah, just doing that, that uh, trying to do the amend to repair the relationship, would that be like, does it count? <laughs> like, I don't know what? Does it count towards? Uh... Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's a lot written in the, in the big book. That's what we call the book called Alcoholics Anonymous. There's a lot written about that. And it, you're healing yourself. You're trying to make amends, but in some ways we're all spiritually sick. You know, mm -hmm. the, but if we go back to step two, you know, came to believe that a power greater than itself could restore me to sanity. For me, the insanity is thinking that I'm separate and alone, that mm -hmm. God isn't in my life, that I'm not interconnected with all of humanity and all the world in some spiritual and divine way. And so then I create these defects of character and I, I harm people because I'm selfish. I'm running the world and I'm just doing whatever I want to do and I'm running over people. And now I need to clean that up. But some of these people, they may not be on the same spiritual path. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. You know. That's funny. Solanus Casey, bless Solanus Casey, used to, used to think that it was unfathomable that someone would consider that God doesn't exist. But again, he was living in the 1800s, so uh, there are other times. And now, like what you just said, like just made me think about like the rise of narcissism and how people are their own gods and just making and mm -hmm. making their own rules, doing yeah. and undoing. And oh, part of part of what we do is. Um... <clears throat> If you can't make the amends or the, you know, the repair is we, what we call living amends. Mm -hmm. So I harmed people that I can't even remember their name. I don't know where they are. You know, people I dated, uh, it would do harm to seek them out and make an apology because I'm married and they're married. And so mm -hmm. how do I do that? And one of my ways uh, for living amends uh, um, 
was as I was learning to meditate, I actually went into a women's recovery home and was teaching them how to meditate. So I can't oh, wow. apologize to people, Directly. but I can, I can go in and help them in honor of that. And, you know, it's kind of like, pen, I guess beautiful. penance. Penance yeah. would be the, yeah. the Catholic term for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that started me off on a whole, a whole other path. Wow. That's great. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. It's like, maybe I've been doing like bits and pieces of the 12 steps in, in, and I didn't even know about it because like offering sacrifice for others that I've heard in the past is definitely something that has crossed my mind uh, since my reversion to the faith. Um, but let's, let's keep going to step 10 is continued to take uh, personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Um, it seems like it's just like maintenance, right? Just keep going. It is. It's working all the steps every day, you know, and after doing this a little while, the steps become the road signs in my life. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> here's a four step. You know, I just, I just got a resentment. I need to repair that you know, either right away or when you do your, your nightly review, um, mm-hmm. which is a great Catholic practice, then you can see that and you can correct it and, or apologize or whatever. And so just the step. So I took that situation back, you know, from God, I need to turn it over or here's this defect. I shouldn't have eaten all that ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> is the pint is not a serving? Is that what you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how do we make this part of our life? It's a it's okay. a design for living and a spiritual way to live. You know, that and there's a, there's plenty of Catholics. I mean, the first meeting that I went to at St. Raphael's in Goleta, California, um mm-hmm. was started by a priest. Cuz he needed okay. to he needed to get sober. So he started a meeting there in his church. Well, that's great. Um Okay, let's let's jump into step eleven, which is where I think the meditation part comes in. Um, Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscience contact with God, uh, as we understood Him, uh, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Um, that seems like Catholic uh, discernment of spirits, just pure and simple right (laughs) yeah but i think it's more conscious because you know that we always say prayer and meditation so Mm -hmm. in in the the 12 steps and 12 traditions which is a a more expansion on each of the steps it says that the you know our sobriety and spiritual life is is a is based on three things self-examination prayer and meditation Okay. It's like a three-legged stool. If I'm just leaning on one or two of them and not doing all three, I'm, I'm kind of off balance. I'm off kilter. And early on when I was in college, I, I, was, I stopped drinking for, on purpose for a little while. I'm not quite sure why. I was enjoying it, and I started doing meditation. You know, it was, it was kind of affirmations as repeating them over and over and this is really cool i really got spiritually connected then i started drinking and using drugs again and i realized it didn't work meditation when i was high or drunk so like mental note to self you know next time you're sober you should really get into this so flash forward you know like 25 (laughs) years later when i got sober i got active and 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 in meditating and learning and in my spiritual journeys i i learned, you know, a lot of different meditation techniques and things like that. And so I was meditating and they have 11 step meditation meetings where you go meditate as a group. Um, and they're all different formats. And, and, uh, and before I had met my wife, I, I mouthed off to somebody in Santa Barbara, well, we should teach new people. It's step 11. That's kind of an advanced step, but mm-hmm. new people in sobriety could learn to meditate. They may not have the conscious contact, I think, which is the advanced right. uh, part of that step, but it'll help them along every way. So mm-hmm. I mouthed off to this guy and I said, we should teach our newcomers how to meditate. He goes, that's a great idea. Why don't you come teach my newcomers how to meditate? And he uh, ran the, the substance treatment program in the Santa Barbara County Jail. So, <laughs> oh, wow. so I, uh, I, was, uh, I ended up going there every week for four years. Wow. 
and I I learned how to. There wasn't any books, or you know, I wanted to learn how to med. I had this idea how to meditate with each step, and I could each I could design, or there were techniques or, or things that you could do to to enhance that step while you're working doing the outside work. And there was nothing there. If there was, I would have plagiarized it. I would have used it and announced it, but it wasn't. <laughs> so I actually developed a course, a 12-week course, how to meditate with each of the steps. And they would cycle me through the medium security and the honor farms, the men and women just kind of moving around uh, for four years. That's, That's amazing. amazing. It was, it Where was can we get that amazing. course, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> we have it on... Uh... It's, mm. I, I have some of it written very poorly on 11stepmeditation.org. I actually started oh, wow. it. It takes a lot of work. I think when I retire, that will be my retired job. You know, actually kind of put a, more of a course together. So but, stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned. But um, the interesting thing is, and then I got busy with work and I was traveling and this counselor that was in the jail, she kept calling me, Randy, there's guys that were here and they're back in jail and they want, you know, they remember your meditation. They want you to come back. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And she finally said, well, can you just put it on a CD? <laughs> so this is how God works, right? From being, doing a living amends to at a, at a woman's recovery home to someone saying, you know, after doing it for four years in the jail, put it on a CD. So I went into a recording studio in Santa Barbara, put it on a CD, and it ended up being sold by Hazleton, which is the largest, you know, recovery book. And they have, you know, hospitals. They now own Betty Ford. So back when CDs were a thing. <laughs> I mean, it's um, on Spotify. It's on Spotify, right. Spirit Step. Yeah, Spirit Step. Wow. Uh, one. So I did one and two. And nice. But when you know when I met Lucy and started going to the Catholic Church, I was so excited to learn that Catholics meditate. I mean, <laughs> didn't really hear, hear people talking about it a lot, you right. know, but then I got into the mystics and, you know, I realized that, you know, prayer and Aramaic, you know, meant resting in divine presence. It's not talking to God. It's not saying all this stuff. Jesus didn't go out all night and talk to God. He probably just went out and was in the presence. And yeah. the, the desert mean, fathers and all of them, you know, that's what they were doing. Yeah. It's definitely an art for sure. It's something that, um, are you familiar with Halo, the, mm -hmm. the app? Yeah. Um, that's what I've been using for the last maybe year year and a half to try to meditate I have to be honest with you i fall asleep when i try to meditate i don't know if like yeah. that's like a, a byproduct of meditation or i'm just like a very uh, like a newbie when it comes to that but i should probably well like... i think when we meditate god gives us what we need so i, I would guess you're maybe medit you're doing that in the evening well, yeah, there's that too. And as a society, we, we don't get enough sleep. Yeah, um, I, I do it with my head on the pillow with the covers <laughs> all the way up to my neck. So maybe not the best posture to meditate. <laughs> Reverse that. Wake up, you know, wake up a half hour early and do that in the morning mm -hmm. before your family gets up. Because you guys have kids. I mean, it's hard to, you got to kind of get too. ahead of it. But there's a couple strategies that we can do. You know, um, and you can apply it to a prayer, you know, the Lord's Prayer, or you could apply it to the rosary or just a scripture. Be still and know that I am God, that whole thing. And it's one uh, uh, it, when you're we're not trained in meditation, using uh, something to repeat over and over gives us something to focus on. As a society, I would I would say broad generalization. We're all a little bit ADD. We're so distracted. So if we focus on yeah. a line of a prayer or or the rosary and do it really slow, um, then that gives us a focal point. And and two, uh, knowing that the first step, you know, that our thoughts and our emotions are unmanageable. When I get distracted, you know, I'm doing my meditation and I'm thinking about earlier today or I'm planning tomorrow. Like, no, yeah. this is God's time. And so you notice that and you bring yourself back to the center and, and, um, you know, and, and then you do that again and then you get distracted again. So the, mm -hmm. this one 
priest was teaching a meditation course and the nun said oh father i just got i had to bring my meditation back to god a thousand times during that 20 minutes he goes bless you god you got to, you know bless you sister you got to reaffirm your you know your willingness to to be with god a thousand times so sounds like my holy hour <laughs> well, you know, and it's it's practice. It's practice, you know. And even I, I now I most a lot of times I just do the rosary really slow, and I I visualize, you know, whatever that mystery is, and 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 sometimes it takes me an hour and a half to do a rosary, you know, if I I wake up at four in the morning and I can sit through it, um, you know, and it using all those techniques, bringing it back, and you can imagine that your thoughts are floating in the wind like a leaf or or down, you know, a stick in a stream, mm -hmm. just kind of floating down through that visualization. So you can see them, but you don't have to reach out and grab them. Yeah. And we, we can do that in mass. How many times have I said to our father, but I'm thinking about something else while I'm yeah. saying it? Yeah, yeah, totally. How do I make it more intentional? Mm -hmm. Oh, intentional. I like that word. Um, all right, for the interest of time, let's move on to the 12th step. Uh, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, to try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Um, I think that's the, uh, the part that um, you mentioned about you stay sober by helping others. Right. Right. Um, and uh, I think that the part that um, I wanted to ask you, because you, you mentioned that you went to a meeting this morning, is it like a requirement or you go to meetings as you need them? Um, how, how does that, is it up to everybody, up discretion of every single person that goes through the, the 12 step program? Um, I, I still go to three or four meetings a week. You know, one, okay. I need to keep it fresh. Um, some people will say, well, how often did you drink? Well, I drink every day. Well, maybe you should go to a meeting every day. You know, <laughs> and there's there's hundreds and thousands of meetings everywhere. Um, uh, and it's, it, you know, it's kind of like church, you know, or, or the holy hour, you know, are you going to go once a week? Are you going to go to daily mass or, catch, you know, do that sometimes? But it's really about giving it away, being of service. You know, mm -hmm. we've, I've had a transformation. That's what God does for us. He transforms mm -hmm. us into different beings through by working all those steps. And we do that in the Catholic Church, too. You know, we, we're there to improve ourselves and to be better and to help other mm -hmm. people and to take it out, not just to do it for ourselves. And you guys, you guys do it with this podcast. You are, you know, bringing the message to people all over. Just by what trying. you do, it takes time and effort. No, it you know, you're carrying the message. And yeah. I think as Catholics, we could. I hear this, but we could do this a little better, you know, more, more, more proactively. And so I mm -hmm. always in meetings, I let everybody know that I'm Catholic, and then um, some people avoid me, and you know, but <laughs> but but then you know, there's always the meeting before the meeting and the meeting where we just share and we have a topic and. We just let people share and some of it's like just talking about and formulating ideas and then listening to other people then there's the meeting after the meeting so it's kind of like church you know when you yeah. go to mass you you, ha you meet people usually you're getting in there because you want to get focused and, and participate in the mass but afterwards you know i always like to stay afterwards and meet people and find out what's going on with them and see how they can help you know how relate help right them. create relationships yeah yeah and I think we strive for, for that in, in, in all of our lives. You mentioned coming out of mass and, or, or we just, we're looking to make a human connection right. because we need each other. You know, we were not made. Adam was just not left alone to his devices. He got a companion and, yeah. and we are, we are a community people. Um, so it's, it's very important and we strive to, to grow our communities and to make our communities safer. So I really appreciate, and, and I'm very grateful, uh, for your ministry and your service that you do, you know, because you are being that community, you're being that support for somebody that otherwise wouldn't have it maybe, or yeah. would seek it out in, in, in the negative space, which then leads two people, three people down 
a very black hole. So right. it's, it's very powerful what you do. And, and I, I will pray that you continue to do that, you know, in terms of bringing more people, uh, to, to realize how much more potential they have. Absolutely. And I think what I've learned is, you know, the, the story about Martha and Mary, it's finding a balance. How do I, how do I adore Christ while I'm doing the work of the, you know, the work that needs to be done. Totally. Mm-hmm. And and how can I bring Mary into the work, mm-hmm. you know, and do it really mindfully, intentionally, and slowly, and and try to stay focused. So I'm a, I'm a work in progress. I'm not even close there, but. We all are. <laughs> We're on the are. same boat. Um, <laughs> so lastly, I would ask you, like, if someone is listening right now and is looking for help, what would you recommend them to do like today in order to, to begin their journey towards recovery? Yeah, I would um, go online and there are AA central offices um, in every city and, okay. um, and, and call them and they'll have someone come talk to you. Perfect. You know, yes. and, uh, and there's, there's apps, you know, a meeting guide is a, a chair, like a folding chair an app called meeting guide put out by AA. So when I travel, I do that and, uh, but call, call AA, you know, and chances are there's people because this is, you know, an epidemic. There's people in your life that you know already ask them and they may have already talked to you, but maybe mm-hmm. you're ready to listen. Maybe you're re- mm-hmm. ready to get into action. That's, awesome. That's amazing. Well, Randy, thank you so much for your time. This conversation has been so interesting. And yeah. uh, I, I mean, I got a lot out of it that makes me for want sure. to just like do the 12 steps daily just to be have like that mindfulness and uh, meditation. All those things sound amazing. Um, thank you. And intentionality too, right? Yeah. Intentionality as well. Um, so, so say again the 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 name of the um, meditation album that you have on Spotify. What's the name of it? Yeah, it's a Spirit Step uh, by Spirit Randy Step. Randy F. And there's Randy Spirit F. Step One. So there's a talk about the first step, and then two guided meditations, and then uh, for Spirit Step Two, there's a there's a talk about the second step. And so you get some coaching, some information, and then you get to practice applying it. And then there's other meditations um, online uh, and in YouTube under 11stepmeditation.org. 11stepmeditation.org. We'll Is put that the number 11 or word 11? Um, uh, number 11. Okay. We'll put links to all of that stuff in the description of the episode. But um, once again, thank you so much. God bless okay. you. Uh, it, was, it was nice talking to you after a little while that we haven't seen each other. Um, And for everybody else, uh, if you liked this episode, got something out of it, you know what to do. Hit like, subscribe, rate, review. Um, Go to direct.me forward slash parvatus for more information on the podcast. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks Thanks a lot, gentlemen. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Randy. God bless.